Roaring into the Tuesday takeover is none other than Siva Gengan, who is the Chief Executive Officer of LegalWise South Africa. Um, we are handing over the show to Siva, and I look forward to the conversation with her, as well as meeting her guest. Siva, welcome to SAFM. Welcome to The Viewpoint. This is your show this evening. Good evening. Hi, okay, so hi, SAFM listeners. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so glad. We we had, a, um, from you, three songs that we could have kicked off with, and, and I decided Raw. For many reasons, Raw reminds me of my daughters. They used to love the song when it came out. But also, you know, with the work that you've done, your achievements, you've roared into this industry in many different ways. What does the song mean for you? Yeah, so I, I actually chose it as a theme song for, for today's takeover because it's, it resonates with me for two reasons. The first is it talks about being a champion. Um, I'm not sure, Kohetsa, if you're aware, but at Legal Wise, we refer to each other as champions. We see ourselves as champions um, for access to justice. Right. And, and that's sort of what we do. And, and then rule is that, you know, part of our beyond um, 16 days campaign that we're actually working on you know, the message requires a law, you know, that people need to break the silence and speak out. Because mm. the scourge that we've had that, have, uh, that has plagued our nation as a second pandemic, if you want to call it that, um, requires people to stand out and speak loudly. And, and nothing speaks louder than a law, you know. Um, so I, I guess the song resonates for those, those two reasons and why it was my first choice, if you recall, um, on that list that I picked you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, most definitely. I mean, just also just to quickly touch on the other options, there was also African Dream by Vicky Sampson, Happy by Pharrell. It does it does paint you as somebody who's, uh, in terms of your musical choice, um, Siva, quite eclectic, if one can call it that. From Katy Perry to Vicky Sampson, bringing it back home to, you know, Happy by Pharrell. That's that's quite interesting. What's What's your musical story? I don't really have a musical story. I love all genres of music. Um, you know, I, I've been exposed to it, thankfully, you know, during my um, early years. And, of course, later on when I met my husband, and he's definitely listening, I know. Um, so, you know, I do have a very eclectic taste. But I think my choice of songs do speak to one thing, though. It speaks to, it speaks to my optimism as a person. And it speaks to my worldview in that I see that, you know, we can, as human beings, you know, every one of us, irrespective of the station or nature of office that we occupy, we do have an intrinsic nature to be able to advance and and bring on change. You know, we should be, as, as Gandhi used to say, be the change you wish to see in the world. You know, so the choice of songs actually speak to that sense of optimism that we see. Now, it's very easy, once again, I, I, I draw myself to the 16 Days campaign, is to be sort of mired by all the negativity that, that you know, is associated with femicide and gender-based violence. But, you know, there is light. We talk about survivors of gender-based violence, not victims anymore, because, you know, there is light after, um, you know, gender-based violence. And, of course, what one really wants to have is to be able to, you know, stop this, you know, um, and, and make sure that we hold safe spaces for the for the survivors of gender-based violence, you know. So I, I think the choice of songs kind of speaks to that. 
Um, and yeah, I hope you will play something else later on today. And, and hopefully, you know, the listeners hearing it, it will resonate to them and, you know, leave everybody a bit of, little bit of warm, fuzzy feelings you know, at, the end of a, at the end of a very long day and a long two years. No, we definitely will make sure that we do that. But I want to I want to just zone in a bit more, and we will talk about your your work, um, of course, as as chief executive of Legal Wise, and and the important um, matter that you have uh, touched on repeatedly around sixteen days of activism and how uh, you as 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 an organisation are looking beyond sixteen days, which is also very important. But if if you were to tell us your story, I mean, one can rattle off all your qualifications, so much that you have done, BPROC, LLB, uh, corporate governance and and compliance. There is so much that can be said, but how would you summarize the person that you are for for those who are meeting you for the first time this evening? Uh, You know, I identify myself as a champion of justice warrior. That's what I am uh, at my very heart. I'm just a lawyer. And, and like most of us that have chosen the profession, you know, we see the ability of the profession to bring positive change in the world. Um, you know, we have a fabulous constitution in South Africa. Uh, we're a fairly new democracy. And lawyers have such an important um, place and a role to play. And at heart, that's who I am. You know, I started with LegalWise. My journey with LegalWise started many years ago. Um, and, you know, I started in a 36-square-meter offices in Durban. We had five branches in those days. And now we've expanded to a national footprint of 34 branches. We have over 220 network attorney practices affiliated to us. You know, so my story is really one of really humble beginnings and um, hard work and dedication and opportunity meeting you know, to land me in the position that I am, which is why I'm so passionate about this platform and my office being used for the right ends. You know, part of it is to make sure that we live our purpose every day as a company. Um, And then secondly, it's to use a platform to to advance social justice issues that I and um, LegalWise would firmly be standing behind. Why, why law in particular, Siva? Because one of the things that that one um, is obviously aware of is, uh, while while talking about you know social justice, not everyone has access to the tools for that. Being able to um, legally stand tall yourself, to be able to protect yourself, and noting the work, of course, that you do as legal wise. But why, for you, you went this route when it could have been anything else? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a plethora of options available to me. I could have gone into private practice. I could have joined government. I could have done, uh, gone joined an NGO. There were numerous opportunities and options available. But I guess for me, it was the greatest resonance that started, you know, that, that where I found a synergy between my personal values and ambitions and that that I saw in a newly founded company. And I'm not sure, Jorgeto, uh, whether you and the listeners would know about our Genesis story. So our founder, Zach Crawford, was actually a legal aid officer. And a South African, humble South African, came across to him and said, here's Ken Rand, would you be my lawyer for life? He was just happy with Zach's services. And I'm, I mean, of course, at that stage, Zach was employed by Legal Aid South Africa, and he was unable to accept the offer. But it did spur in him that thought that if you had a lawyer on your side, 
for a monthly stipend. You know, you could actually realize this notion that's not, not guaranteed in our constitution that you'll have access to equal protection um, by the law. Um, and, and this is what spurred the founding of this company. And as a newly minted lawyer out of practice, those values, those um, the purpose of LegalWise um, resonated with me. And um, you'd be surprised to know. I mean, people call me a lifer. Um, I've been with LegalWise for now 27 years, come October. I've obviously worked through the ranks. I started there as a manager, and then I worked my way through the ranks over a period of 27 years. I've worked very many hats. But, you know, it's something that I'm so passionate about. LegalWise is equivalent to my third child. <laughs> if my children are hearing this, they're not going to be terribly happy. <laughs> but, you know, LegalWise has become my third child. So it's, it's a passion. And I think when your passion meets your profession, you know, that's when the true magic really happens. And I've been very fortunate, you know, that I've been blessed with with, the, with with opportunities that have allowed me to actually realize my passion for the law. That is incredible. At 20 minutes past eight, it is The Viewpoint on SFM. We are in conversation with the Chief Executive Officer of Legal Wise, um, Siva Gengan. And of course, she is our Tuesday takeover guest. And we continue with her in the next minute or so. It is The Viewpoint on SFM. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Koketso Sachane on SAFM. It is SAFM Koketso in for Songezo Mabeke. It is a Tuesday, our Tuesday takeover guest and presenter is Siva Gengan, who is the Chief Executive Officer of LegalWise. And we are going to, in the next few minutes, be handing it all over to her. Are you, are you ready, Siva? Are you ready to, to be an SAFM presenter for this evening? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Always good to have some competition. And we will talk about your, your guests as well in the next few minutes. But I want to go back to uh, the very important points that you've been making around um, the, the fight against gender-based violence. Of course, as a country, we are, I think, two days away from concluding 16 days of activism. Uh, but as as legal-wise, you, you've made a point of uh, going beyond 16 days and the fact that we actually need to go beyond just talking and do something about it. Your call for active citizenry when it comes to dealing with the scourge of gender-based violence. Share that with us, please. Yeah, so I'm sure the viewers and you would be well aware of the statistics. I mean, um, we partner with the Tears Foundation, and they do a lot of work in this space. And, I mean, the stats are alarming. You know, every three hours, a woman is murdered. Every 25 seconds, a woman is sexually assaulted. 73.54% of all crimes are against women. And a child is raped in South Africa every three minutes. And most of them are young girls between the ages of 3 and 12. Now, it's alarming. I mean, none of us, any self-respecting individual hearing that, you know, is going to be spurred into action. And I think for us, you know, we as a business have seen as well with the lockdown, it has placed very many women and children at even greater risk, with many of them trapped in their own homes with their, abuse, uh, with their abusers, and, of course, clearly unable to access the help that they desperately need. 
And of course, then you've got all the silence that surrounds this issue, where people are stigmatized and suffer secondary abuse when they speak out. So as a company, you know, we're living in this environment. And, and let's face it, our employees don't leave their baggage at the door when they step into our workplaces. And our business particularly was affected by two uh, deaths that were attributed to femicide, two employees of ours. And, and it took us as a company, it floored us, literally, because we had no response to it. These individuals that worked for us, um, reported abuse, tried to get themselves out of the cycle, but despite it, eventually succumbed to femicide. And I mean, you know, it, it made us take a really strong, hard look at how it is that as a corporate, we're responding. And I mean, we've always thought of ourselves as responsible corporate citizens. And then we thought, you know, it's got to be more than that. It, it's really about breaking the silence. And when you hear the statistics, that it takes a woman about seven times of attempting to leave an abusive relationship that she will actually succeed. It's absolutely astounding. So, you know, as a company, we put in numerous programs, et cetera, for our employees inside. But, but you know, I, I think it requires greater advocacy, greater initiatives. And we as a citizenry have got to step up and speak out. Because it is only at that stage, when we reach that stage, that we will possibly look at ending the scourge. And of course, Professor, you obviously know my guest is no stranger. He's a very well-known actor in South Africa. And we thought the unique perspective is, you know, we always have any number of amazing, strong, beautiful women, you know, that are the voice for gender-based violence. But we thought, why not have somebody like Patrick Shai, who is happy to speak about his journey from a perpetrator to an ambassador or a champion of, uh, of um, GBD. So we wanted to stir the pot a little bit. And, you know, we've hosted live Facebook sessions. Um, I have one coming up on Thursday with Professor Courtney Davis. She's from the University of Johannesburg. And we're actually going to be exploring in that particular webinar the effect and impact that gender-based violence has on workplaces and actually the economy. Because I don't believe that enough is being done by corporate to address the issue. You know, for 16 days, everybody does some initiative. But it is simply not enough. So it, it is it is that kind of thinking, you know, that as a corporate we want to encourage and we ourselves want to live by. Hence all of these initiatives. And while we talk about it beyond 16 days, because this campaign cannot last for 16 days. It is not sufficient. It does not get sufficient momentum to create that sustainable change that we want to see in our communities. In, 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 in staying with who your guest is going to be, of course, yes. um, and the Patrick Shai, whom, you know, in terms of his, his artistry, we all admire. And I remember when I first heard about him being a, a GBV perpetrator and, and him yeah. owning up to it. Do mm. you feel that there's enough being done or in encouraging conversations that as men we do enough to talk amongst ourselves, to also acknowledge our faults and even our actions in some cases, uh, are we doing enough? Okay, so clearly the stats reveal that we're not doing enough. You know, um, Brock Patrick's um, story, um, and he will share it with us uh, soon enough, uh, is a compelling one. 
But, you know, traditionally, if you look at um, gender-based violence uh, campaigns, you know, they largely involve women, as if this is our problem. We are causing it. You know, but where are the men standing up? And for one moment, I don't mean to say that gender-based violence only is perpetrated against women and children. I think our particular bent is on, on them because the stats are so alarmingly skewed in that particular gender. But I am happy to concede that, you know, the reverse also occurs, where men are victims or, or survivors of gender-based violence. But having said that, I do believe that it is time for men to actually roar, um, you know, and stand up, take a stance, a discernible stance for it. And I think what is compelling about Rock Patrick's work is the advocacy initiatives that he does do with, with, uh, with abusers or perpetrators, if you want to call it that. And, and I also think that the problem that we have in society, why not enough men are standing up and owning up to it, is all the shaming that happens around being a, look at the words that I use, perpetrator, abuser, you know? So it's, it's all of that negativity as well. And I think part of the myth that we want to dispel, and while we specifically use these words, you know, like emotive terms like perpetrator, is simply because we also want you know, the reverse to apply. So while we hold safe spaces for the survivors of gender-based violence, we also need to create that momentum so that those individuals who are the perpetrators of gender-based violence can stand up and ask for the help that clearly is, is warranted and needed. We are in conversation with uh, Siva Gengan, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Legal Wise South Africa. And in the next few minutes, we will introduce her guest, Ndate Patrick Shai. But before we do so, uh, there is a voice note which I would like for you to respond to, Siva. Good evening to you and your guest. How does Legal Wise navigate its way in a democracy whereby the constitutional laws are misaligned with the political laws? Thank you, Chapter 2. You got that question, Siva? Yeah, I got that. Thank you so much. So I think the caller is actually referring, when he says Chapter 2, he's referring to the Bill of Rights, which is cardinal values that are enshrined in our Constitution that protect us. So I do think that he's quite right. There is some misalignment. And I'm not sure if the misalignment is political, uh, which is what he alludes to, because remember... Your executive, which is your the, the political um, sort of um, agents that he's referring to, don't make the law. The law is made in South Africa by the parliament. That's the legislative arm. And we have what is called the doctrine of separation of powers. So the judiciary, the executive, and the um, legislature, it, there's actually these Chinese walls between them. Because in an ideal democracy, you don't want them to sort of blur the lines. But what he's referring to is that in our law, everybody's equal before the law. Everybody's allowed equal protection before the law. But yes, our laws, whether they be the Domestic Violence Act or the Sexual Offences Act or the Protection from Harassment Act, while they're perfect laws, in its execution, there's a lot of failings that happen, which is why survivors of gender-based violence almost are trapped in the situations that they are because we don't give enough momentum to those constitutional imperatives that are enshrined in Chapter 2, which is your Bill of Rights. 
So your caller is quite right. It is very difficult. But it is organizations like ours, like LegalWise, um, ProBono.org, uh, Legal Aid South Africa, uh, the, the traditional um, legal system, that should be geared, that we should look at how we can gear to support uh, survivors of gender-based violence. Now, I'm not saying uh, everything is wrong with the system. There are instances where survivors have a good story to tell and where the law steps up and helps and does what it needs to do to give redress. But I also have seen in my professional capacity the failings of a system. So quite rightly, he points out that our Constitution gives us a guarantee. But that guarantee is very rarely a reality for the ordinary South African uh, victim of gender-based violence. Really, really appreciate your response. And uh, up next, of course, we link up with Siva's guest, Ndate Patrick Shai. Um, it is the Tuesday takeover on The Viewpoint, SAFM, 28 minutes to 9. 105 FM in Mokobane. Koketso Sachane on SAFM. Um, it is the, the viewpoint Kogezo in for Songezo Mabeke, and it is a Tuesday, and uh, we still have our Tuesday takeover guest. Uh, Siva Kengan is the chief executive officer of Legal Wise South Africa. The moment is here, Siva. The moment is here for you to introduce your guest. Tell us a bit more about your guest before we bring, bring him on air. So thank you so much, listeners. Um, welcome to the Tuesday Takeover. This is Siva Gengen, the CEO of LegalWise. And I'm joined in studio today by um, Patrick Shai. Now, Patrick should be no stranger to your TV screens. Um, Patrick is, of course, a self-confessed and now reformed perpetrator of domestic violence. And he has done numerous initiatives publicly um, to speak, um, and he's taken the bold step to be the subject of scorn in certain instances. Um, and he has now become a real ambassador and champion for um, gender-based violence. Patrick, are you here with me, and can you hear me? I can hear you, Siva, and I'm here with you, and give good evening to you, Siva, and thank you for inviting me, and good evening to the listeners as well. Oh, wonderful, Patrick. I'm sure so many um, so many listeners know you so well. Um, tell us your story. W- what has resulted in you becoming a beacon of hope for many that are caught up in this victim-perpetrator cycle? Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you once, once again, and thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Let me start off by saying I was... Um, <clears throat> one of the artistic directors on the Soul City television drama. And when they were introducing the Domestic Violence Act, uh, they then asked us to, they wanted to write in the domestic violence um, storyline. And uh, then the the production then asked if I could play the part of the abusive husband I then agreed, which therefore meant that the other director will direct segments uh, of that storyline in which I was supposed to be directing. And on that particular day, fast forward, uh, we were all set. We had our rehearsals, and then the director called for action, 
and for some strange reason, as we started acting, uh, I met my, I had my Damascus moment that the set uh, that we were working on was transformed into my house and my um, uh, uh, screen wife was my wife and my two screen uh, children were my children Becky at home. So the entire set and its occupants was, I was transported right back at my house. And as the scene played itself out, as it is scripted in my head, what was playing in this um, Damascus moment was the actual violence that was taking place on a number of occasions at my house. And it was during this uh, uh, kind of surreal dream or moment that I had for the first time I heard my wife scream, and for the first time, the scream pierced my heart and soul. I, for the first time, I heard my son saying, Daddy, please don't kill mommy. And then all of these things were playing in my head. And I looked into the yes. face of my wife, and I saw in a state of paralysis brought about by the, the, the beatings, the abuse, I saw my kids, you know, uh, pain etched on their faces, fear etched on their faces, and I snapped out because I didn't like what I was seeing in that, in that, in that, in that vision, in that dream, in that Damascus moment. I snapped out and and cried out, cut, 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 cut. I left the set and sat outside the studio, and I was tearing up and crying, and the crew was asking me if anything was right, I said, it can't be me. It couldn't be, be me. They didn't know what I'd gone through. They didn't know what my Damascus Patrick. experience was. Yeah. Absolutely, Patrick. Uh, I'm so glad that you've shared it with us and, and the listeners. And, you know, this is a safe space. If I could ask listeners to please join the conversation on 011-714-2006. You're welcome to send voice notes to 614 um, as as you've heard, I'm Siva Gengen, the CEO of LegalWise, and I'm in conversation with Patrick Shine. We'll be taking an ad break now, and we'll be back in a jiffy. Thanks, CUG, Patrick, and we'll continue. The foremost higher education institution in the Free State is dedicated to quality education and training in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It is the only university in the central region to offer engineering, radiography, clinical and biomedical technology, hospitality management, and tourism management. And thanks to CUT's work-integrated learning programs, students get much-needed work experience in their chosen fields. Visit CUT's website today at cut.ac.za and see why we are thinking Ahead. Imagine winning your share of 2 million rand. If you've had your COVID jab or get vaccinated before the end of the year, you stand a chance to win 1,000, 10,000 or even 100,000 rand cash. 200 winners every week. Entry is automatic. Win and we'll call you on the number you gave when you were vaccinated. Don't wait. Vaccinate. It will change your life. T's and C's apply. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Koketso Sachane on SAFM. 
Hi, I'm Sipa Gengen, the CEO of LegalWise, and I'm taking over the airways from Kohetsa today. He'll be back on the other side of 12, other side of nine, actually. Um, I'm actually joined in conversation with Bob Patrick Shai. Patrick, if we could resume our conversation, you know, you've just said that you had this major breakthrough. What do you believe led to um, you this behavioral change? And how did you recognize that you had a trigger moment that resulted in you having this realization? What did you then do? I think my trigger moment was the talent that God had given me. I, you know, I believe I'm a good actor with uh, a rich talent given to me by the, you know, God above, and God wanted to use the talent to show me the horror. Uh, the horrors of my, you know, the, to, to reveal the beast in me that was um, the domestic violence. And and I needed to, you know, when I saw in that vision the state of hopelessness and fear, I then started asking myself that how could I say, uh, you know, someone loves me when 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 they're actually afraid of me? How could I bring so much pain into the hearts and minds of people that I had confessed to love, how could I do? How could I be such a horrible person? I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to believe that I was capable of all of that. It was almost like a reveal for the first time the nakedness of the beast that is the violence, uh, named gender-based violence, was revealed to me. It was shocking. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Then I come to the rest. Patrick, uh, Patrick, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Patrick. If I can just ask, you know, when we had our conversations prior, you said something to me that really resonated. You said the reason that you possibly had resorted to the violence was because broken people create broken families. Yes. Do you want yes. to elaborate a little further on that? Like what causes us? What causes somebody to snap? What causes somebody to go from a decent, loving man to this beast that you refer to? Yes. Um, you, you know, you, you, with me growing up, <clears throat> being raised by a mother, I was not supposed to, uh, you know, uh, I, I was supposed to have learned, you know, the hardships that women go through. And I see my mom going through domestic violence from my stepfather and all of that. And I thought I would never do that. But then, you know, I think the state of brokenness with my dad being killed, you know, just when I was about five or seven uh, I think all of those things added to, to that. And yes, see that broken people break other people. Now, now, as a broken person, uh, growing up and, 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 then, and then coming into an intimate relationship with my wife, and there were some utterances that were, yeah, that, that were treated when it was said that uh, she would be married off to to a prince in Botswana, and um, and and that uh, you know, I lived in home was just a small little toilet. Instead of dealing with the people that were saying that, you know, I took it out on my wife, and this is the nature of the beast. We always pick up on somebody who is less likely to fight back, and 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 I think whatever, because I have no reason. To have done, to have beaten and beaten her up, except to say it was purely out of the fear of losing her, and uh, you, you know the, the inferiority complex 
that was probably instilled in me. But here's the interesting part. Once I journeyed on my Damascus experience, there were three or four reasons that, that propelled me, that kept me, that I felt I needed to change. Because on that day that I met my Damascus, I really needed to change. I really needed to deal with the beast that was inside me. And the first thing I did was to accept that um, my actions were harmful. My actions were a violation of the rights of people that were closest to me, my wife and kids, that I needed to stop uh, doing that. I needed to change so that my wife could have the, 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 the man for a husband that she had chosen amongst all others that, that had probably approached her. I needed to change so that my two sons could have a new narrative uh, of a father, of a man in their life, so that they don't grow up thinking, uh, beating up women, it's the right thing to do. I need them to be friends with me and trust me with their lives and secrets. And, and just so they could have a completely new narrative, I needed to change so that my daughter could grow up you know, having a new impression of me, of her mom, so that she does not grow up thinking uh, after seeing her mom being, being beaten up that it is okay to be beaten up by, by, by the boyfriend or the man uh, in a future life. I needed to change for myself. I needed to change because I believed, I was questioning myself as to where does this violence come from? I'm made in the image of God, and if God gave me life so freely, who am I to try and take, uh, impose myself on the life of, other, of another person? Who was I? Why couldn't I just be, you know, yeah, leave uh, and 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 be free of the violence. I needed to change so that I can be this wonderful person that God had created me for. Live the purpose of God. And since that day, Sigur, I committed myself to finding the wrongs in me, but also extending myself to helping other men who find themselves in the same situation, dealing faced with the same demon that I faced, the same beast that I lived in me. And I am... I'm not led with the status of the violence and the cases that I imagine now, the gruesome brutality, the almost animal-like behavior of, of men, the way women are killed and raped and all of that. I'm not yeah. happy with that. I'm happy only yes. a little bit, and it's a little bit, when 35 men uh, in the last three months called to say, Papet, I need help. I'm dealing with a lot of issues. I'm dealing with my brokenness. I'm dealing with uh, anger. I'm dealing with obsess obsession. I'm dealing with the whole uh, toxic patriarchy tendencies and characters. Then it gives me hope that um, in all our endeavors, in the collective of a body of people who want to transform men and change their behavior, we are making traction. But that it's not enough, given the number of cases that we are witnessing the, yeah, it's almost like a state of war. A war, in fact, has been declared against women in this country. And I just wish that men could heed that, that call, that, that embrace the pain that women go through. Let, let us, as men, as Majita, embody that pain. And it cannot continue to be a woman's problem. You know, gender-based violence, it's a woman abuse and rapes and the kids. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad you're saying us. that, Patrick, 
I'm so glad you're saying that because I'm sure some of our listeners have exactly that sentiment. So I'm going to ask listeners to please join the conversation on 011-714-2006 and send your voice note to 0614-104-107. The lines are open on 714-2006-011-714-2006. You're welcome to call in and address your questions to Bra Patrick or I, please. I'd really appreciate it. Um, please join our conversation. Whilst we're waiting, oh, we've got a caller, Mr. Rajan from Peter Maritzburg. Mr. Rajan? Hi. Hi, Hello. Mr. Rajan. How are you? How are you? Hey, good, good. Very well, man. How's your son, man? Very good. Thank you, Mr. Rajan. Would you like to address your question to um, Rob Patrick? Yeah, uh, my question, man. My question is this, man. It's a uh, gender violence in all the same base of women abuse. It's all regarding men. You see, they I look at it, my point of view. Uh, sorry. Hello. Hello, no, Mr. Rajan. We're listening. listening. We're listening to you. You're live on air. You sure are you listening to me, man? Then my, yes, I'm hearing you loud and clear, but I like you. Yeah, I just wonder whether you're hearing me loud and clear, so I can hear you as well. And uh, my point is this, sir. Uh, you know, all this problem here caused by the adult people. The adult people gave the youngsters the ability to do what they want to do. You see? And uh, mm-hmm. who you blame... Regarding of our government, they say, okay, child abuse, woman abuse, see? It's all that cause corruption, you see? Mm. And the same thing that's corrupting the youngsters' life. Whereas back in the days, we youngsters, we learned from our from childhood, we learned from our parents, we learned art, you know, to, how to dress, how to behave, how to respect. But these days, you don't even get it. Yes, we hear you, Mr. Rajan. I think you make a very valid point, you know, that uh, it it depends on how we raise our boys and our girls and we treat um, our children equally and we treat them good value-based education. Yeah, you're making a a, a stellar point. Uh, Bra Patrick, do you want to just uh, chip in as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I think he's making quite um, um, a valid point here and I agree with you. I think we, but also want to warn and caution against leaving everything to the government and blaming things on the government. It is my responsibility and the responsibility of every family member to make sure that there is no uh, toxic behavior in our homes, that our kids are raised properly with um, equal rights and they are treated equally, both boys and girls. There are not different roles for boys and different roles for, for, for girls. We cannot continue to be prescribing to girls as to how they must dress, but we must teach the young exactly. boy to respect yeah. the girl regardless of how they are dressed, because they are not dressed to be sexualized. So the, the responsibility is on us. Let us claim back our families and promote sober, proper, uh, progressive family values in line with our constitution, in line with the promotion of human rights, in line with well, absolutely, the Absolutely, Bra Patrick. Mm. 
Absolutely. We've, we've actually got um, uh, two more callers on the line. We've got um, Mije from Bloom and we've got Naj from Kiss Kamerhook. Um, uh, let's see how our dearest Lesejo, our producer, puts them through. Is, there, is this Mije from Bloom on the line? I'm sorry good. if I'm mispronouncing your name. Good, good. How are you? Hi, Mije. Good, good, good. good, good. Yes. Uh, Issue of a, a GDV really destroyed the moral side of a society. Now, yeah. I would like to uh, congratulate APEC to uh, explore this issue. And the, 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 the real men, the real men are loving husbands, fathers, brothers, and so on. So, uh, when, when you check this, 10% uh, of men misrepresent. 90% of men. Therefore, uh, pet uh, fall under those 90% uh, 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 of men, which is uh, real men. So, yeah, in short, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much, um, EJ from Bloom. That was really a nice um, comment that you had. Um, thank mm. you so much. We value your contribution. We have the next caller, Naj from Kiskamerhook. Are you on, Naj? Yes. Hi, Nat. Yes, you want to address okay. your question to Bra Patrick? Okay. Bra Patrick, thank you very much for uh, giving us good advice because we are full of monsters these days. Therefore, for giving us this advice, I hope all men are listening to what you are saying. And the advice I will give to us as men, when you are provoked, please, lie down if you can't lie down you still cannot control yourself then walk out of the house and go and then get fresh air and then come back then you sit down with your wife and you solve the problem beating your wife is never a good thing that's what i have for the listeners thank you very much brother practice again thank you thank uh, you thank you very much thank you thank you so much much again thank you so much thank you so much naj um, if I could just um, read something to you, um, Patrick, it says, I'm sometimes missing some conversation in Limpopo. It's raining. I'm anonymous from Limpopo. Mina and my husband um, helps us so much and we're still together because of his session. We can now communicate. We can be able to see the rights and the wrongs. We improved a lot, team. I don't want to go deep, but I want to thank you, Baba. I think this is for you, Patrick. Somebody saying, um, thank you to you and for all the work that you, the great stellar work that you've been doing, you know, to champion um, um, gender-based um, violence and highlight the topic and, and look at the role and how men can, in fact, transform themselves from a perpetrator um, to a champion of GBV. Rob Patrick, um, we're almost running out of time and before our charming Vasejo tells me how little time we have, if you had one minute to speak to men, what message would you want to relay to them? I would say to men, never let your brokenness break others, especially your family, your wife and kids. There is no shame in the men coming out and showing uh, signs of weakness. Better is a man who cries and a man who pretends to be bold and brave and hate others in the, pro in the process. Let us all as South African men make sure that during this festive season, there is no commitment of violence against women and children. Let us shame the devil, let us shame this monster, this beast, and become the real 
human beings that God has meant us to be, loving, caring, supporting, has empathy and understanding, just loves. Once we love ourselves, we love our families better. But let it be a Christmas and a festive season of no violence against women and children. Thank you, Rob Patrick. That, that was a fabulous way to wrap up. And one last message from you to the women or um, survivors of gender-based violence or individuals that are currently undergoing gender-based violence. What are the triggers, whether it's a man or a woman, what are the triggers that one should look for? Um, you just remember, Rob Patrick, we've got two minutes before we get to the news at uh, nine with Greg Hose. But very quickly, what is that trigger that people should look and say, I'm leaving, I'm running for shelter? Yes. As, as soon as somebody raises their voice, it's the first trigger. As soon as they go silent, it's the first trigger. As soon as they cannot find a way to find an expression, it's the first trigger. As soon as they point the finger, it's another trigger. As soon as they raise their hand, it's late for you to go and seek help. But also I'm saying to victims, women in general, do not be afraid to speak out. Do not be afraid to scream. The world may not be receptive, may not respond timelessly, but scream, speak out. There are lots of centers and institutions you can go to and call us. And call us will expedite a response to anywhere you are in the country. But don't overstay. Okay, wonderful, Bro Patrick. Thank you so much. You've been a fabulous guest. And I know our SAFM listeners have thoroughly enjoyed having you. I'm Siva Gengen, and I'm your um, temporary host that has literally stolen the show from Kohetso. Um, we will now head over to um, the news with um, Greg Host, and I will wrap up in a few minutes with Kohetso after the news. This is Siva Gengen, the CEO of LegalWise South Africa. So lovely to have spent my evening with you. Take care. Cheers. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. on SAFM. At five minutes past nine, it is the second hour of the viewpoint on SAFM. Kokezo Sachane in for Songezo Mabeke. In the previous hour, of course, we had our Tuesday takeover with the CEO of Legal Wise South Africa, uh, Siva Gengen, and the incredible conversation, very truthful, honest raw conversation um, that she had with and that Patrick Shahi there as well. Very, very important conversation. And I'm sure there are a number of you with your calls and your WhatsApp voice notes, which you can uh, continue to send on 0614-104-107. It is a Tuesday. And in the next uh, couple of minutes in our African uh, narrative focus, we link up with Ivory Coast-based South African journalist Leanne de Basson-Pierre to talk about 
about President Cyril Ramaphosa's official visit to four West African states. You might remember or know that it was earlier today where the president concluded his visit to Senegal, which was the last of a four-nation stop, I think it was, last week where he started off in Nigeria, uh, was in Ivory Coast, and then in Ghana concluding with Senegal um, earlier on today. So I suppose we expect the president back home later on today, if not uh, tomorrow morning. So we'll link up with Leander Bassompier to talk to us about uh, the president's visit to those four West African states. That is what we do in the next few minutes. You are more than welcome, of course, uh, during the course of our conversation um, and in conclusion of this hour to call us on 011-714-2006. I think we still have uh, Siva on the line, of course, uh, just to conclude our Tuesday takeover. Siva, are you there? I am so I am here and trust me your your day job is in, under no threat of being taken <laughs> over <laughs> that was such a powerful conversation that you had there uh, with Patrick Shai really really important the level of 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 honesty on his part and and I'm, I must say I've heard him tell the story before but you can you can tell of course the the shame that he continues to carry. Uh, you can tell in his emotions um, the level of honesty in which he shares his story and acknowledges and takes ownership of what he's done. But it's also incredible to know that he's doing something about it, though. Absolutely. And I think that's the beacon of hope, is it not? Um, that the change is possible. Transformation is possible. Um, you know, and if his story can help one other person out there, then I think our evening would have been well spent. Uh, so, so, you know, for me, I just want to leave the listeners with a, a lasting resource. If if anybody would like to to reach out um, seeking any information about GBV um, on our on the LegalWise website at www.legalwise um, uh, forward slash beyond 16 days. We're actually hosting a number of self-help legal documents and a list of support organizations aimed to empower GBV survivors. Um, and I'll also direct you to one of our partners here, which is TS Foundation for their services, which is on um, star 134 star 7355 hash from your phone, and you can access their services. But thank you so much, Jorgezo, for having me. It's been marvelous. Um, you fulfilled all my aspirations of a DJ today. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you 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 are referred to, as you said, as a lifer within um, legal wise. But should it yes. ever should it ever come that you decide to to retire? I think you can try your hand at this. Um, <laughs> I think I think you should. Consider I'll tell that. the board. I'll tell the board that that was your suggestion. You know that. Yeah, I you can moonlight. You can job. moonlight. <laughs> Siva, thank you very much. Um, really appreciate it's a pleasure. Um, your takeover. Thank you very much. Um, Siva uh, Gengenle is Chief Executive Officer of LegalWise South Africa. And I would encourage you in the next uh, couple of days, just keep going to safm.co.za and go to our podcast and find a Tuesday takeover podcast in the conversation that uh, she had with Patrick Shai. if you missed out on it. Really, really incredible. Up next is our Africa narrative, and we link up with uh, Ivory Coast-based South African journalist Leanne de Basson-Pierre. It is 10 minutes past nine.